we've heard the the saying hurry up and wait our entire lives and then we retire and we think all right now it's going to be quick no it doesn't get any quicker you know getting registered is relatively simple um you can go to vets.gov and register or you can call uh, their number 1-877-222-VETS to get registered That's another thing too. Yeah. If you are registered in the VA system, if you go out of town yeah. and I'm you're like, hey, I forgot my medication or I'm not going to have enough, you can go to their local VA. Yeah. They can pull you up in that system and they can get you taken care of there. Hello and welcome to another Tavern Talks. I am your host, Evette's co-chair, Travis Featherstone. I'm joined here with Brandon Horn and his wife. Uh, we've got a great topic we're talking about today and uh, pretty excited to jump right into it. So Brandon, I'll let you... Uh, introduce your wife as our, our special guest today and uh, kind of give us a preview of what we're talking about. Yeah, so, you know, this is one I'm kind of happy uh, to talk about. You know, we've had a lot of veterans within our own company that's come out and uh, have been out of the service for a while and kind of ask questions uh, about how do I get registered with VA, what am I entitled to. So this is one of the topics that's probably me excited the most and I'm happy my wife Chandra is here to help us out today. Um, and the VA defines a veteran as anybody that's completed their contract in anything other than dishonorable service. So um, if you got other than honorable, honorable service, uh, you're entitled to use the VA. So uh, when you look at the term Veterans Affairs and the VA considers you a veteran as a reservist or a guardsman that done three years, whether it be 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, that status applies. Yeah. I think that's VA. important because you know, even within our own veteran group and our, our, our veterans that we have within our, our company, there's a lot of, you know, oh, well, and, and some of it is intrinsic emotions, you know, oh, I didn't serve during a time of war, you know, I, I never deployed to a combat zone. So they have this feeling that, oh, well, those benefits and those resources don't really apply to me. Um, and I think this is a great opportunity for us to kind of talk through the veterans affairs, all the different resources that are out there, whether they be medical, uh, tuition, housing, um, and and kind of shed some light, some education, not just to our veterans, but also even to the allies out there. They can be great advocates for the veterans that are within their organization and the, the veterans that report to them maybe of challenging why it's important and, and challenging self-care, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, and it might give somebody out there that's got a family member like I did. You know, I served for 23 years before I retired, but I can't remember how many times I come home from a deployment and they give us that VA briefing, and it was like I blocked everything out of my mind because I was just ready to get home and see oh, my yeah. family. It was yeah. check the block. Half listen. Uh, check the block and let's get home and see the family. But, you know, rewinding to when my dad went into a uh, nursing facility with Parkinson's because he was, it was really hard to handle. You know, I think about the cost uh, and cost savings. <laughs> and so I think it was running us around um, the family. I think their charges was like $2,100 a month. So from a financial aspect, from using the medical benefits, I, I would say that, hey, first off, you know, go get registered at the VA. Um, you know, getting registered is relatively simple. Um, you can go to vets.gov and register, or you can call uh, their number, one 877 222 vets uh, to get registered. Um, now, getting registered doesn't necessarily just give you any and every benefit that you think you're going to want. There are limitations. 
uh, to those benefits, but you can still use the VA hospital once you get registered for anything. Now, and we can talk about this as we move on, but there's several categories. I think it's one through seven um, categories, uh, one through eight. Uh, the categories that are divided up and, and those are based on whether you have a disability or you don't have a disability um, and, and the higher the rating the less it costs you but I mean the VA has a lot of benefits from dental uh, to eye doctors to the hospitals to nursing facilities and you don't think about those type of things until it's too late you know we've all seen how medical insurance has changed over time and so that's when I really wanted to buckle down and focus on how do I get registered at the VA? What do I have to do to make my life easier on my wife as I get older and my kids, et cetera, if I need something? Uh, and, and what medical benefits am I entitled to? Tell us a little bit more about our special guest today. So this is my wife, Jander. We've been married for about 20 years. Um, you know, she's been so with she's me through a lot of this. Seen a, seen yeah. a lot of it. From first okay. deployment to last deployment to retirement, she's been involved with all of it. So. You know, I think that was kind of why she was passionate about leaving where she worked uh, with Ballard Hospital in Kingsport okay. uh, and getting at the VA yeah. uh, up in Johnson City and working with veterans. Uh, she's got a passion for working with veterans. Uh, you'd have to, to actually be married to me, but you know. <laughs> so Chandler, you've seen probably the good, the bad, and the ugly, right, with healthcare systems. Um, like in your words, what, you know, Brandon came, gave us a, a glimpse of it, but what in your word, world, why are you motivated and, and like excited to go to work at the VA? And this could be a good thing, a bad thing, I don't know, you know what I mean? Um, well, to help uh, those who have served our country yeah. in any way that I possibly can. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and it, it, I, I feel just from an outside looking in, I feel like it takes a very special person to do that. Healthcare in its own can probably just be a, a monster of an industry. Um, but to it's almost self-sacrificing in a, in, a, in a sense, right? Um, to take care of those that have served the country or served in militaries. Now, does the VA honor any of our ally, um, you know, service members or service military? You know, maybe, you know, England or Canada, um, you know, in close proximity that might be here. Say, for instance, they're working and, you know, no, the VA no. is actually designed for Just the US. United States okay. veterans. Yeah. So that makes um, sense. I wasn't sure. Uh, being a federal department, uh, I'm sure that you know they might be able to give the information to lead someone in the right direction that may have served in, yeah. you know, uh, Europe or Germany or anywhere else. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I wasn't sure how how we you know treated that because we have a lot of foreign you know military uh, and, and that either train here in the U.S. or serve here in the U.S. <clears throat> so I didn't know if that maybe even temporarily they were, you know, while traveling or on temporary duty status, they are afforded to the proximity of some of the VA hospitals or things like that. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how that worked. Not, not, not that I'm aware of. I'm not sure if Chandra knows of anything. Okay. Uh, I would say in situations like that, um, they might be able to more likely use the military bases in the hospital facilities. So Brandon, the, the big question is, you know, signing up, it's not like um, I, I, I sign up for, for Netflix and all of a sudden I have access, right? And I'm getting the benefits of all the, the new movies and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, walk me through just your perception, your the information that you know, and, and it's not all the information, but just walk me through how you, you, you sign up and then 
what does that mean for a veteran, um, you know, at that point? Well, you know, essentially signing up for the VA is a little easier than than going in and going through the disability process. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I gave the number to call earlier on the website for getting to sign up with the VA, but, I mean, it's time-consuming. Anything we've ever done in the military obviously takes time. There's never, we, we've heard the, the saying, hurry up and wait our entire yeah. lives, and yeah. then we retire <laughs> and we think, all right, now it's going to be quick. No, yeah. it doesn't get any quicker. Probably slower? Uh, yeah, well, I would I feel guarantee. like my experience was slower. <laughs> I would guarantee it's it, it's slower. So, um, but, the, you know, there's a lot of processes that go into it. And, you know, when we talk about, getting registered and going to the VA and using the VA and the benefits, et cetera, you know, there's a stigmatism that comes with that, that disability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's people say, you know, I haven't been through anything, I'm not disabled, there's nothing wrong with me. And, and I would say more along the lines of look at it as your service. You know, I think a lot of people say I never got paid enough for my service or whatever maybe. And, and I always thought I got paid enough, you know, I did it on my own. But what I'm looking out for is my future, and if the government's willing to, the federal government's willing to say, hey, your service is worth these medical benefits, then I'm going to use them. You know, uh, my wife and I have talked in the past, you know, there's there's things that I didn't think about, uh, and this is after I was already registering and going, that mm-hmm. a lot of veterans, whether you be reserve, guard, three years and done, went through that can actually help you out in using that VA. So one of the things is how many of us have ever fired a weapon? And, oh, and the hearing loss that could go with that and the tinnitus. Oh, and, and it's, it's one of those misnomers, right? It's, yeah. a, um, it's an unconscious bias that, hey, everyone in the military fires weapons, you know, and, and actually it's less than 20% in the Army that are in combat arms, mm-hmm. right? And it might not be firing, you know, a, you know a, a rifle, but firing a cannon, you know, could be just as bad, obviously. Um, I guess talk to me a little bit, too, about you mentioned something, a service-connected disability. Um, and what are some of the perceptions around, well, a disability in the eyes of the VA or the military and then a, a disability from people being, um, I, I don't know the right term, and correct me if I'm, you know, insensitive here, but just the disability that the government pays out on, you know, when you hear about people being, you know, fully disabled and they're getting a disability check, um, it's different than a service-connected rating or disability that the VA gives you. Yeah, I mean, so essentially you could be 100% service-connected and still hold a full-time job, which yeah. is different than what you have in, in, in the normal disability environment. I, I, I think the biggest thing that we see is that that fear of being considered weak because yeah. you're considered disabled or you, you want to admit that the military may have caused you some problem. And I think sometimes people just forget well, we were, the pain I was in they the, went I through. was in the infantry. Yeah. And, and to go to the meds station, you know, was just frowned upon. You're weak. Oh, yeah. And that's why I was an officer, too. So we were already considered weak. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and just to add, you know, more sprinkles on the Sunday and a cherry on top, oh, we saw Lieutenant Featherstone down at the aid station. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was getting Tylenol <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> right? So you're right. There is this perception. And, 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 and it takes probably years, maybe, and even you know, pain and family seeing you struggle, you know, for people to maybe realize, okay, I've been out of the military for maybe, you know, 10 years now. It's time for me to start looking at some of those other things, not just the medical side of it, too. Yeah, and I think, you know, you just sit back and look at some of the things, you know, if you you can prove your service to the, the VA and, I mean, we talked about hearing, you know, a lot of people have hearing issues because they fired a weapon without a hearing aid. The other thing that you see a lot of times, and 
I know it's not the most uh, delightful thing, is but we ride in vehicles a lot, the Humvees and all that stuff. We're yeah. moving around, and you know a lot of sitting leads to hemorrhoids. So those are two of the biggest things at the VAC is hemorrhoids and tinnitus. Um, but there's other things that happen that people just forget about. Um, you know, all the push-ups, the sit-ups, the, <laughs> the everything else. I mean, you develop arthritis in your wrist, and people don't think about that uh, as they, they get older and they that. forget about those things. So I think it's just important to Depends say. Depends on how many you did, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing the bare minimum of getting up, it's probably not you. No, I'm just well, kidding. If, if, no, I mean, like, if you're always getting in trouble, right? You're always yeah. down there doing push-ups. You know, not just a PT test. So, so I think that I think that anybody that's just listening, think about your time and service, what you've done, and the aches and pains you may have now, and, and, and use it to your benefit. You know, health insurance is getting more costly. Yeah. Um, you know, when we retire, etc. I mean, the benefits are harder to get, and once you get to um, asserting a certain rating within the VA, um, they assign you a primary care doctor. Uh, even below that rating, you know, you, you get free health care, free dental, free yeah. prescriptions. Um, and, and even if it's a low rating, let's just say you went in with arthritis and they, they rated you at 10%. And I've never, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody rated below 10%, but let's just say that you get rated at 10%. You know, you have a copay, and then you can start using that as your, your, your doctor to go up there and see them and do copays. Yeah. And so I think it's important to do your research and see how the groups are categorized. Um, well, even you and I just, you know, spoke prior to coming on and we talked about just some of the, the differences in that, that care, right? You yeah. know, how satisfied you are with your primary care physician up in Bristol is worlds different than, I think I remember who my doctor is right down in the, the Rogersville area. Yeah. Um, and, and so even within the VA, you know, there's discrepancies and, and differences and variation in what level you get. You know, you talked about how your primary care physician served, while mine didn't, and so that that may, that makes a kind of a little bit of a difference in the understanding, the care. Um, I feel like, and, and and so, Chandra, talk to me a little bit about the people that you interact with, right? How many of them do you know served? How many of them do you know maybe hadn't served? Does that kind of play into some of the care that, that you know, just interact with people in the in, in in the you know the VA at times? Yeah, I think you can tell a difference in people who've had family members or know personally yeah. somebody that served. Yeah. Just by the level of care that they offer and what they hand off to other people. And I guess with that note, like, what is one of the the most exciting things that you love about working at the VA? Just hearing the stories when they okay. call in and they'll get to talking to you and a lot of the elderly ones I love talking to them on the phone they're so sweet yeah. and they have the most interesting stories to tell you and they'll just sit there and joke around with you it's a joy to talk to them every day yeah absolutely I bet and it's interesting you know the you know we've talked about this before and I was actually at a, a, a friend's change of command ceremony this last week and one of the big signs leaving the compound was remember you're a quiet professional um, and so it, it, it can take years sometimes where um, those stories and those exciting things just, they don't come out. Yeah, it's definitely unique. I mean, I just me, I enjoy going to the Johnson City VA and meeting other older veterans and yeah. talking and hearing their stories and sharing stories. You know, it's kind of a community of its own. We're, we're a brotherhood, sisterhood. We've talked about that forever. And you're right, I think there is a difference in doctors. I've seen different doctors at the VA that they just don't know how to relate. And then now my primary care doctor in Bristol, I mean, awesome guy, uh, serves, uh, still serving. 
Um, so not only is he serving in the military, he's serving the veteran community. And so when you go in and sit down and talk to him, he just relaxes you. He can relate to the stories. He, you know, you hear his stories. He tells yeah. me his own personal stories. Um, so that just kind of puts you in that environment to where, okay, you can kind of trust. You know, I, I can talk to this guy about anything. Um, and I feel comfortable about it. Yeah. All right, so we've talked a little bit about uh, from a medical standpoint, you know, what else about the, the VA um, is important for our listeners and for our allies to understand from a VA veteran affairs resource standpoint, the support that's out there? Well, I mean, me personally, if you if you served or anybody served, you really need to go online to the VA and research, and don't procrastinate on using your benefits. You work for them, you earned them. That's that's essentially part of your pay. You know, that's that's why it's there. And, and if you have a family member that's been scared to register for any reason, just go on and look what benefits they're entitled to, from educational benefits yeah. to that first time home buyer's loan. Oh yeah. Um, well, you mentioned something in your wording here just a second ago. You said earned. Yeah. Right. I feel like it's just my belief and, and the hypothesis is that a lot of veterans say, yeah, I maybe have, but if I'm taking some of it, that means that there's less of a pie you know, or less of a percentage to share with those that maybe actually really need it. What's your take on that? So, so I went through the same battles and struggles myself, and, and honestly, the pie is never going to be always full eaten. You know, the pie is always there. Um, you're not going to fill the pie to the point where there's not a slice for somebody else. Um, it's a responsibility that our government has set aside. You know, when you look at the man hours that we put into it, you know, there's always that joke that the soldier or the the marine or anybody makes on average a dollar something an hour when you talk about hours. Uh, and we know that the pay in the military is not good. Yeah, we never did it. it we pay. never do it for the pay. It's the get, get rich slow plan. Right? Um, <laughs> I've heard that about the Army. But that's where the federal government has, has decided to make up the difference in providing these medical aids, providing these educational assistance, because they know that you placed that sacrifice. And, you know, you didn't have to serve in combat, but you were prepared to. When you signed that line, you signed that blank check. It said, yeah, if we go to war next week, I'm going. Now, whether it happens or not, we can't determine that. Uh, I would just say if you have a family member, don't wait till it's to the point where you think, oh, I need it, because when you really need it, it's that hurry up and wait. You're going to be sitting there for yeah, a year going, man, had I not had done this earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just take take the time now. Don't be in a rush. You know, I've worked a couple of people, walked a couple of people to Eastman through the process, and, and I guarantee you if you picked up the phone and called them right now, they'd say they wouldn't regret it. Yeah. Chandra, have you ever met anybody that, uh, that you knew was a veteran, had shared their stories, and then they said, no, I don't want to sign up for the VA? Um, and you don't have to get any names or anything, yeah, but, Yeah, yeah, you know. I've heard of you say that. Okay. Um, kind of, again, these are just single point, data point stories. But what were some of their reasons as to why they wouldn't? A lot of them, uh, well, a few of them thought that maybe they made too much money. Okay. In order, because that is something that they do look at. Uh, That's none of the veterans I've met. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then others just didn't know enough about how to get. Yeah they're putting the door there to get it started. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I, I see that probably the majority of the, the population that we probably, that 
if we were to group people that aren't registered for the VA, yeah. I would say probably a lot of them are just unaware of that mm -hmm. knowledge, right? Of what is it? Well, do I have to drop my, my company's health insurance to pick up the VA health insurance? Um, can I have both? Um, that sort of thing. Do yeah, you have both? I do have both. Yeah, so, I mean, I you can both. ultimately have both. Yeah. And I think sometimes, too, um, you know, like she was talking about income-based. You know, that's if you have no disability and you didn't go do these claims. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you run into a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, it was like with my dad going in up there. He had never been to the VA. And then it was to the point he had Parkinson's. Okay. We were and looking for to something backtrack. to do with him. Yeah. And we were trying to put him in. And they were like, look, because of his income, we can put him in right now. Yeah. But it's going to cost you more to put him in this facility than it is this facility up here because he never went through that process. Yeah. Um, so earlier is better. And if you don't have any issues, let's just say you don't, have, you never had anything. But I dare say anybody who serves turned an ankle, turned a knee, yeah. shot a gun, rode in a vehicle, a weapon. Well, like, how does that work, though? Because, you know, again, I, I went through this, this subgroup of the organization that was just way too prideful. And we made fun of the people that were wearing the boots on our crutches. And to go and take time out of the self-care was just unheard of. So for me, you know, my personal testimony, there's probably nothing documented, you know, but I can't pass a single hearing test right now, I guarantee it. And I failed probably the last eight while I was in the Army. Okay, um, so right there's your documentation. You know, you show the ones that you failed while you were okay. in service. I mean, right there's where you start. You can prove that you failed those hearing tests yeah. while you were in the military. Uh, I'm sure you took a hearing test where you went in. They can go back and pull those records yeah. and, and from. The VA has access to a lot of these records. Yeah. Okay, so that's why the process is so long. When you come in and file that claim, they're not just gonna say, okay, I believe everything he says. They're gonna go back and pull yeah. your first hearing record that they can find on date to that last one that you had in the military. Even if you're not able to provide the documents, they're gonna search for them. Now, a lot of times they're gonna ask for them. You know, we did have a issue, I think, where uh, a lot of medical records burnt down in St. Louis. Uh, it's been about 10, 15 years ago uh, and got lost. Um, but I would say this, you know, you have your initial hearing, you have your, your secondary hearing test, your third, and you show a history of it decreased and you can say, look, Here's my 214. I served. My hearing depreciated when I was in. So you, you really have to think of those aspects. Yeah, there's that don't go to the aid station, don't go to the medical. Yeah. You're a tough guy. We're, I think we're gotten, they've gotten better about it. Yeah. You know, but. Um, but I think you really need to sit here and say, first of all, you can prove you served with a 214. Yeah. Uh, Second of all, you have probably some strange austere conditions. Right? Yeah, and you can prove how your hearing is depreci depreciated over time. Yeah. And if you don't work in loud environments now and you were shooting weapons or sleeping next to generators yeah. and are sleeping on flight lines, you know, things I've done throughout history. Slept on a flight line, <laughs> slept next to a generator. Uh, who hasn't, right? Uh, shot a weapon. I mean, it's... Well, maybe. I, I, I can't really dog on Jackie because she's not here. You know, but Air Force, I don't know. Those air know. conditioners probably are too yeah. loud for them. They they probably have to wear <laughs> hearing protection for the air conditioners, Air Force guys. Um, but you never know. But, uh, hey, let's look at the Navy. Yeah. Let's not leave the Navy out. Being on a ship, I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of noise that's on that ship. Uh, and yeah. you're living on there 24-7. Um, so it is a process. And, and you know... And I, I don't know how much broad awareness there is with patience and the expectation too, right? Um, so understanding that when you, you go and you sign up and you start this process of, process of like uh, disability ratings, it's going to take months and months and months. Um, 
and for the newer veterans that are just coming into our company that have just transitioned um, you know from the military that's probably like hey if you're not already go ahead and start it go ahead and get it mm -hmm. get it moving um, and the, the sooner you do that the more you know there's a, a historical file that's being built um, and you just get put on the, the radar right which I think is important especially for you know like you mentioned what you know what was one of the reasons that you you said that that you had had really wanted to jump in and do it in regards to just getting things straight and getting things um, because my dad up. when he needed it, yeah. it you know it was too late and I realized you know mm -hmm. for him it was too late I didn't want to put my family in the same situation yeah, if I needed right. those benefits and um, I, you know I mean I'll ask Chandra here I mean you know, I think they're getting better, but how many young people do you see at the VA? Let's just not... A lot. Oh, there oh you, you do? Okay, yeah, I see a, a ton of young Interesting. people. Interesting. And I've seen a ton of young people when I go up to the one in Johnson City. Yeah. I mean, So I'm, we see that the stigmatism is changing. Yeah. Okay. Because the younger people are going and doing what the older generation has said. I'm too tough. It doesn't make you weak by going up there. Yeah. You're taking advantage of something you're owed. Well, here, here's the thing. Just on that, that perception, right? We're seeing a demographic of younger folks in the hallways or younger people, you know... Um, you know, with appointments. Do you feel that maybe there was a climate that the that society set up, right, you know, from the Vietnam veterans coming back? Um, that now, granted, we don't have any Vietnam veterans, you know, at Eastman serving anymore in the company. But at the same time, right, they, they weren't really welcomed back in a, in a great manner. There wasn't, you know, uh, the parades, the signs, the, the videos that we see of you know, mom running into the kids' arms at the airport, you know, the Coca-Cola commercials where, like, the whole airport stops and, and claps and stuff like that, right? Um, do you think that that aspect of how our allies or how our environment sets the tone for how veterans perceive their care and support? I do, and I think there's multiple facets, you yeah. know, I mean... I think, the, I, you know, retiring in December, I think the military has changed. Uh, they realized that, and, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not going to get into politics or say anything's bad, but yeah. it used to be a much harder military. Yeah. You know, you were considered weak. Was that the, you know, walking yeah. uphill yeah. both ways in the snow? Both ways in the snow and this and that. And, you know, the, I've heard the stories, the drill sergeant shoving my face in the mud and calling me everything in the, the world. and. They went from the physical contact to, you know, stress cards. The stress cards, yeah. Cards, I was, yeah. I was, I've I always I heard about one. the stress cards, I, you but, know. you know, I've talked to soldiers <laughs> who've been through the military for the last 23 years, and I've yet to run into one that went to a basic training with a stress card. So I think it's that rumor and that mentality that was okay. the old guys going, oh, they've got it easier than we did. Yeah. They got those stress cards. Yeah. And there might have been a trial at some point. I'm not going to say there wasn't, but it, it doesn't exist. And we are in a different uh, military. You know, our military is is trying to be more fundamentally sound and yeah. take care because, you know, how many of us drive down the roads and see a veteran sitting on the side of the road? Well, again, it's it's the you know, um, you know, veteran status. You can't see that. Right. You know, we talk about that a lot with within our resource groups. Right, some of the unconscious biases around male to female, you know, disparity or minority or people of color, you know, well, veterans not one of those you can see, and so, so like you know what you mentioned, you know, we, I don't see a whole lot of, you know, veteran homelessness, 
but I don't know if we've really cracked the, you know, the the solution yet to really helping that out. And I don't want to jump too far down into a rabbit hole here. I wouldn't but, say that I see a ton of veteran homelessness, yeah. but I've seen the signs. The yeah. guys on the side of the road yeah. sitting there saying homeless veteran. You know, there's a guy that frequently sits up here in Bristol that's in a wheelchair. He's a disabled veteran. And um, it's... I think it's out there, and I think when you look at those, and I, sometimes I just want to take those guys up and swoop up and say, let's go to the VA, you need to get registered. Um, and I think if they had done, taken the steps years ago, it may have helped, but there was that, again, there was that perception of being weak, and, and, and I want to get rid of that altogether. Um, I will personally say that I am registered with the VA. I have a disabled disability rating. Uh, I won't go into what my rating was, but when I talk to somebody, they're like, you're not disabled. And, and so even even society that doesn't know anything about it can put pressure on Yeah, people. he looked right at me and was you like, know. you're not disabled. I was like... Well, there, there's another factor, too, that I, I think that, one, our society has maybe evolved around the support and the care and, and getting veterans, you know, some of the resources that they need. Chanda, from your perspective, coming from another healthcare system, right, not the VA, but coming from, you know, another one we'll really go into, but just healthcare in general, that industry, has healthcare made it tougher for the individual, which has kind of forced veterans to say, hey, I have other resources other than what you're, you're oh, yeah. dropping on my lap. Yeah. Like one of the reasons why um, could be uh, maybe financial because if, you know, you're paying for your yeah, healthcare, right? but if you're a veteran, you know, depending on what you're rated, yeah. this all could be free to you. Yeah. So you don't have to, take out additional health care and also we do have a homeless vets program at the VA in John City. Oh okay. Um, but I mean you you come in at the VA in John City we can take care of dental, audiology, yeah. optometry, your primary care doctor, we can send you out for things if we can't get you a specialist to see there for like rheumatoid uh, arthritis, yeah. uh, diabetes, they can send you out for that if we can't, you know, definitely get you seen. Yeah, so house. I mean, you got the whole gamma yeah. of, of support and the resources, yeah, and I don't want to like simplify things. it too much, but it's like when, you know, Verizon jacks their prices way up, people jump ship and they go to AT&T, or maybe vice versa, right? Yeah. You know, and I don't know enough about the healthcare industry, but I, I've i heard all the, you know, the, the disgruntled and the oh, well, healthcare is going through the roof, and, you know, we've got these ideologies of this universal healthcare. Well, somebody's got to pay for it, so who's going to yeah. do that, right? So I didn't know also if this day and age, in the, in the last five years, our healthcare system has made it, because it's gotten harder and constrained, it's actually made it easier for veterans to start drifting towards the VA. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I, that's something I could probably concur with. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started considering it because I started thinking, you know, I watched my grandfather and my dad retire, and I watched those high, those medical bills where you're paying $200 a month, and now you're paying $1,200 a month, you oh, know, yeah. to have health insurance. Because they, And I was like, man, there's got to be something out there I can do. And, and then seeing my dad go through what he did, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it if, if it's yeah, it's yeah, it's no, it's no, but the option's there. Yeah, having that option. That's another thing, too. Yeah. If you are registered in the VA system, if you go out of town yeah. and of you're state, like, hey, yeah. I forgot my medication or I'm not going to have enough, you can go to their local VA. Yeah. They can pull you up in that system and they can get you taken care of there. Yeah, absolutely. I know my grandpa's talked about that a lot, right? Yeah. You know, uh, Marine veteran, you know, way, way back in the day. I think they had horses too back then, you know. But, <laughs> right, 
Their cranes weren't as tasteful back then. <laughs> so, I mean, again, they're living their whole life, right? They're traveling, yeah. they're doing different regions of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And he's talked about that flexibility of not having to be, you know, stuck, oh, only in the Los Angeles region um, and having to depend on, well, I'm 90, I can no longer travel because I can't be that far away from the proximity of care that I yeah. need. Um, and I think that that's important. Uh, I don't know how really that works if, if, if your primary care is in Ballad, if you can only go to Ballad or Sister Ballad, you know. <laughs> well, I think it depends on your insurance and who accepts your insurance, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> One thing we know about the VA is there's network and in a network and out of network. Yep. So not everybody accepts everybody's insurance. But one thing I can say about the VA is if you're registered with one, you can go to all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's huge. And well, if you're out there listening and you do get registered and, and for whatever reason, I, the one thing I would say, you know, my wife kind of hit on, you know, being able to get prescriptions. Um, feel when you're out of town, if you was to leave it behind, etc. A VA does something that a lot of Hospitals don't do, and that's mail your prescriptions. Oh, okay. Uh, I just got my prescriptions in the mail yeah. yesterday. It is, but I, I would say that I would be cautionary, yeah. you know, um, because there are a lot of people who served in time yeah. that battle those demons, and I don't want you to go down the wrong road because you yeah. do get something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that kind of system, but it, it I think it's forward-looking at the, you know, how can we care best in any efficient manners. Right? You know, if we look at everything this day and age, you know, I can get toothpaste online and have it shipped to my house. Oh, yeah. I don't have to go to a brick and mortar. When I think about some of the evolutions of technology, delivery systems, and and I start to see like, um, you know, some of the older veterans that are limited in their abilities of, of travel or limited in their abilities of, oh, I can just run down to the CVS and get this or something like that. You know, again, I think that that's an interesting solution. Um, again, it has its own risks in it. Um, and then, at least in this area too, right, our VA serves a lot of remote areas, yeah. right? So, I mean, Johnson City is where the VA is located, the big, you know, the big hospital, but they have outpatient clinics. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think about Johnson City and maybe Bristol and Kingsport, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to look at that in terms of a demographic of veterans. It might not be a lot, but now you're serving Virginia, Southwest Virginia, you're serving North Carolina, uh, and you can get those veterans that are completely isolated. So well, mail is, is a, an easy way to get that to, to folks. And they serve all the way up Kentucky. And you know one of the interesting things, let's just say you're out there listening and you decide to move to Kentucky, whether ever it be, um, let's just say, or Coburn, Virginia. I'm just throwing a town out there. The VA actually pays your travel to and from if you have a doctor's That's appointment. Why, yeah, so I've heard of that. Uh, I've never used any of those kind of services. And... and huh. I don't know how that works, but uh, you know, that's... they made me an appointment in Johnson City, not too far from Bristol, right? Um, just a doctor's appointment because they couldn't get me in at that point in time, and so the VA's kind of gone to that. If they can't get you in, they find they another find primary care doctor. Okay. So they couldn't get me in. They sent me to a doctor up in Johnson City. I'm sitting at home. Two weeks later, I get a check for like it wasn't much, you know, it was less than twenty bucks, yeah. but it said for fuel, you know, for your travel up and oh. and back. Um, and I think that helps some of our older veterans that maybe don't goes a long have way the ability to, to drive. Yeah. Uh, you know, if somebody gives them a ride up there, they can say, hey, you know, I can reimburse you when I get my check for giving me a ride up to the yeah. VA. That's interesting. I've, I've never seen that. But I, I feel like, that again, that goes along that, you know, new innovative ways that the VA is taking steps or the government's taking steps to, you know, 
help support you know veterans out there. Um, I, I distinctly, my own you know kind of personal aspects, I can distinctly remember trying to get an appointment where you know it was maybe four months out, and and it's I'm not saying it's great now because there are a lot of veterans in the area and there's probably again that intrinsic there's probably a lot of veterans that maybe need care more than what I do, but it, it's it's no longer the four month wait. You know, maybe maybe 30 or 45 days, you know, and again, my, my level of, you know, a, a annual checkup and stuff's not, you know, it's not huge of an actually, priority or importance. I but actually think it's 30 days now. If they can't yeah. get you in within 30 days, that's when you know, they assign you to a doctor outside okay. the facility. Yeah. So, and there um, is an emergency room on campus. Yeah, there's an emergency room. That's you know, I've been to the emergency room in Johnson City when I first came off active duty back in 04, you know. Toothache. <laughs> no, I actually thought I was having a heart attack, believe it or oh, not. No. Oh, my goodness. You know, you're Sorry, 22. I, I, I you're, didn't mean to make light of that. A 22-year-old kid, I was like, oh, something's not right. And I didn't have health insurance. I'd just come off active duty. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what am I going to do? I didn't have a job yet. And so I was like, take me to Johnson City to the emergency room. But I, the, I, I didn't have a heart attack. Yeah. Um, but I went in, they see me, they took care of me, and I never got a bill for it, you know? Yeah. And that's a good thing. So I, I think we, we've we got a few minutes left, and and we've talked a lot, you know, kind of focused towards our veterans, those that are listening, those that are engaged, even those that are trying to maybe encourage another veteran to get signed up. Um, you know, we have allies. We have people that know little, you know, to a lot, to near nothing about veterans, the experiences, some of the resources and the care out there. Brandon, what would be... You know, if you were to talk to somebody that was a, a leader at Eastman that um, didn't know anything about the VA or anything, what would you kind of encourage them if, they, if you know if they know that they have veterans within their organization? You know, I mean, the first thing I would do is suggest them to go to the VA.gov website and just kind of flip through and see what they're entitled to, so they can have that conversation with people underneath them. You know, yeah. let's just say where we work at Eastman. You know, I use my VA GI benefits, uh, Montgomery GI Bill, which is part of the VA. Yeah. Um, but I used my GI benefits as I went through the apprenticeship program. And, you know, uh, it helped me walk through those steps. And, you know, maybe you've got somebody working for you that's going through the apprenticeship program and they're not using those benefits. And, yeah. you know, just get down and research just for your own knowledge of how you can help them. And, you know, there might be things that you see that, you know, sometimes even as veterans, we don't recognize our own problems. They might hobble around all day, that tough mentality. Yeah. You can say, hey, man, you know, your, your knee's not looking good there. And yeah, it's an old war injury or whatever. Have you ever considered registering with the VA? Yeah. Uh, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a, an interesting corner that, that we need to turn. And I'm not saying all leadership is lacking or all leadership has it, but I feel like when, when our leadership gets to a point where we notice small things, and we challenge, you know, for our veterans to get additional resources and support. I feel like it, it, it goes back to that holistic leadership. We've talked about it a few times on our, um, our, our podcast about in the military, you take care of that soldier, you take care of their family, you take care of their financial problems, you take care of their marital problems, you take care of, there's so many other things other than that role of, oh, well, he's an infantryman. So I got to make sure that he passes his marksmanship, he passes his PT, and he knows the battle rules. Right. And I think that that's one of you know my challenges to the allies uh, would be to get to know those veterans, recognize what levels of self-care and even family care that they're taking and that they can take and are qualified to take. 
Yeah, it definitely helps when you have that encouragement from those around you. And, you know, just taking it, you know, just kind of reiterating what you said. In the military, we invest ourselves as leaders in those that are uh, underneath us and our subordinates um, that work with us. You get to know their family, their kids. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes as you, the more you get to know somebody, the more you know when something's not right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you see things. You can spot that, those. Yeah. yeah. You, you see Even in their work, that, their daily work, right? You, you see things that are out of place or actions or reactions. You know, unfortunately, we're in a time now where a lot of service members have those, what I see, unseen battle scars. Yeah. Uh, and it's just mental. Um, yeah. But there's nothing saying, and again, you're not considering yourself weak. It's just encouraging strength to get that help. And if our leadership, anybody that's listening, you're in a leadership position, just invest in those underneath you. And get to, even if they're not veterans, yeah. just getting to know them, to know who they are about them, yep. it makes so much difference that when they're ready to pick up the phone and call you because there's a concern, they're more willing to do it. You know, yep. In my time in the military, there were leaders that when something went wrong, I wouldn't call them. You know, I would try to work my way through it at all costs and because I didn't trust them. Yeah. But then there were leaders that I trusted when something went wrong, they're like, it's okay, hey, I can help right you. Away. I can help you right now. Let's get together, work this out. We can get through it a lot quicker and you have their support. And I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. Chandler, one final question for you. All right. And I don't know if this wraps it all up for us, but Talk to me a little bit about some of the stresses that are taken off your shoulder as a mom, as a wife, um, you know, as you know, a, a partner that supports your veteran. What does that mean for you to, to, to know and hear that, hey, Brandon signed up, he's been, you know, he's gone through the ratings, um, whether a high rating or a low rating, you know, what kind of stresses does that take off your, your plate? Um, how does that make you feel that, hey, you know that your veteran's covered? Well, it's a big stress relief knowing that he's going to the doctor like he should now and his doctor's taking care of him, yeah. low pressure, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And to know that if, whenever he gets older and there comes a time where, you know, I need some help, you know, getting things for him and help taking care of him, I can reach out to the VA yeah. and, and see what help I could get. I've got to imagine, too, that that's also very, not just for your veteran, but for, for the veterans that you yeah. interact with. You've got this, oh, I, I'm in yeah. healthcare, All right, but I, I, I know that they're, you know, they're older and they've shared these stories mm -hmm. and I've somewhat got a little personal connection, but they're getting the care that they're taking, mm -hmm. you know, or they're getting the care that they deserve. Um, I've got to imagine that's got to be, you know, uh, a very job fulfilling you know satisfactory you know yeah. aspect especially when the wives call in and they're like well, you know can you help me with this can yeah. you direct me to who can help me with this i'm like yeah of course i can you should take care of it so that's one aspect too i think that you know full circle coming back to closing is you know it, it, it's not always just for yourself it's for your family mm -hmm. it's your spouse for your kids um it's that peace of mind knowing that uh, there's a sliver of all the strange things that happen in life that life throws us. So that's one sliver of it that's kind of taken care of. Right? Well, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you being here. Chandra, awesome to have you as a, a guest speaker today. 
And uh, again, Tavern Talks hosted by Eastman Evets. Uh, feel free to reach out to any of our leadership. Hear this and you have a question, we might not have the answer, but we might have uh, the, the bandwidth and the, and the contracts to figure out uh, who to connect with. So we appreciate everyone's time today and thank you. And uh, we will see you next time. Yep, thanks, Travis.